Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. If you really believe that, say amen. If you don't, don't say it, because you're lying. You know what I mean? If you really believe that, say amen. Yeah, it's good, right? Everybody give Brandy a hand for... Unlike some of the more fortunate churches that people get paid full-time to do those, these type things, she works full-time job and has kids, and she comes out and serves, so we appreciate that. Hey, so the ice storm is coming, and this is what I know. Uh, everybody's scrambling around. Everybody's rushing to Walmart and Kroger's. Brittany said she got in a fight at Kroger's earlier. Some chick grabbed her hair and had a, had a half loaf of bunny bread. It all went down, you know what I mean? <laughs> Milk's getting slung all the way through the aisle. We clean up on aisles. So like the ice storm's coming. <laughs> hey, what are we going to do? We're going to have power. I don't know. Start charging everything up. Make sure we got, you know, the ice storm's coming. We better figure something out. What you going to do when Jesus comes? I wish we could forecast that and, and start seeing some people recognize and understand what that really means. Like, there's coming a, a time and there's coming a day where you're going to pull up the screen and you ain't going to see no ice storm coming. You're going to see Jesus coming. And this is all I can tell you right now. You better be right because there ain't going to be no left. You hear me? I mean that. And that's why this is so important to me. This is why I take it so serious. This is why I get passionate and it comes off as aggression and all that other stuff. It ain't. It's like, man, I, I'm telling you, I know what's true. And what's true is that Christ is coming back. And the fact that you're here tonight is everything you need to know that God has given you a chance. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to do nothing else, just trust in what he's done for you. So I just, I wanted to share that with you. I was over there thinking about it, and I was like, man, what am I going to do tonight if I wake up and the power's out and I'm cold and everything? It's like, you know what? I better be thinking about what, what I'm going to do when Jesus comes back, right? Like, so some of my friends will be doing Anyways, all right, so here's what we're doing. Uh, for the month of February, welcome to Truth and Grace, by the way. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, um, Truth and Grace uh, essentially is just where we introduce a lie that we've believed and uh, we look at God's word, which we believe wholeheartedly is the absolute truth and it exposes that lie to us. And then we'll typically hear from somebody, share a testimony, and that's the grace side of it. But um, for the month of February, what I figured we could do, because many of you got this all jacked up, is start looking at the difference between what the worldview or what you've been taught is love versus what the Bible says is love because it's Valentine's Day month, right? I went by the guy's house earlier at FOS, and they had a box up there, Valentine's Day cards addressed to all the women at the FOS women's house. I don't know what's going on down there anymore. I'm just like, but honey, I love you. You know what I mean? Bro, you don't even have a car. Just stop it. Anyways, uh, we're, gonna, so, 
I'm kidding. Good gosh. They won't let me come back now. Anyways, uh, but but essentially, my point, Jessica, I'm playing. For real, that, would, that didn't have. She's over here eyeballing every one of y'all over there. Okay, I got your number, girl. Um, lockdown. Uh, so, so anyways, what I wanted to do is, and, 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 and like I, I feel like and think, this is crazy, guys. Like I worked on this all day, and I know what I'm supposed to share with you guys tonight. I just had a real hard time communicating it, owning it, understanding what it was. So it's going to come out probably all over the place, and y'all are just going to have to deal with it. But, um, and then, and then there, the printer didn't have any paper, so I'm literally having to use, like, my laptop here to uh, walk with. So God's up to something because he's trying to get me out of the way, right? So, uh, and that's cool. But uh, what I can tell you guys is that um, love is a bad man. Love is a bad man. And what I mean is God is love and Jesus is God in the flesh and there is no love outside of God. And I've seen some of the toughest, baddest dudes be melted by the love of Jesus Christ. Some of the hardest just toughest dudes you'd never want to ever mess with or get get on their bad side and all those things, Jesus intervene and that dude be just sobbing and crying all the time. Like, dude, it's a it's a it's a commercial. Like, stop. You know, I know, man, but uh you ain't gonna tell nobody, are you? you know, because love has this power that can set you free, and love has this power that can change you, and love has this power that many of you don't even understand because you just don't understand it. And that's why I want to talk about it, right? A lot of that's been my experience, so I don't want to assume that's been yours, but I'm going to share with you what I got here, and you guys take it or leave it, and we'll see if y'all would agree with me, okay? So the month of love, Valentine's Day, February. Um, I figured we would embrace um, just this, this whole month of love, spend each week talking about the difference between what the world says is love or maybe what you grew up trying or understanding as love versus the biblical version of love. Now, I can tell you from experience early on in my life, my understanding of love was dysfunctional at best. Right, like it was just distorted, it was discombobulated, the, um, you know, love meant uh, we got drunk and high and we fought with each other and then the next day we woke up and we act like none of it happened, right? Like it was just a messed up um, view of love. You know, I, I witnessed my stepdad beat my mom up and hide behind the couch because there wasn't nothing I could do about it. You know what I mean? I was six, seven, eight years old. I, I saw, um, you know, so I saw a lot of fighting. I saw a lot of uh, unfaithfulness, betrayal, alcoholism, drug addiction, all these things. So uh, naturally, my understanding of what love was was really distorted and, and really messed up. But probably the thing that got me the worst was growing up without a dad. So like where my dad... Um, had abandoned me as a child, uh, it caused me to question why he would do such a thing, right? Like, why would he leave me? Uh, why, why was I not good enough? What did I do or not do to make him leave? 
And I want you to think about that real quick for just a minute because when I was three, four, well, four, five, six, and seven, I was a little boy who come to the conclusion that I wasn't good enough and that my dad didn't want anything to do with me. That's important because some of you have three, four, five, six, seven-year-old little boys. And you know what? I didn't tell nobody what I was thinking and feeling. And we assume little kids aren't thinking those things. They're thinking those things. They're thinking those things, right? And so dealing with stuff like that, just feeling like I wasn't worthy of love and I wasn't uh, accepted uh, by my own father, I would live my life trying to gain acceptance from others. Like I know there's a lot of tough cats in here and, um, you know, bad chicks and all that other cool stuff, but truth is uh, you just want to feel loved and accepted. I've been doing this long enough to know. I've yet to hear a testimony. There are those exceptions, right? There are those exceptions. They're just pure evil and like they just, they're, you know, practically serial killers or something. I don't know. But uh, most cases, I don't care who you are or who you want to be, you want to be accepted and you want to be loved. And somewhere along the way in your life, you weren't, right? And so as I got older, I started to experiment in things that I had no business experimenting with. I not only found love and acceptance from others who felt or thought the same things, even though I wasn't aware of that. Like I was out on the streets with these, these kids who come from similar backgrounds and similar households, but I never even considered that it was love was the issue. Love is always... The problem and the solution, guys. Love is always the problem and the solution. If you've, yet, if you've never experienced true, genuine love, then you have a tendency to not be able to love others well. Or if someone has never experienced true, genuine love, an agape love, a God kind of love, then they don't love you well. And then you don't know how to love others well. And it's this cycle of just, it's always the problem or the, or the, and the solution at the same time, right? And so, um, and so, obviously, growing up that way and not understanding what love would be, it caused me to have a hard time understanding what love is, but also knowing how to love others the way that I should, right? And so, eventually, I would compromise and sacrifice everything I knew to be good for that love and acceptance. Think about that. In all my years of working with people in recovery, I have yet to have a conversation with one of them that literally looked me in the eye and said, look, straight up, I knew at seven years old I wanted to be a crack addict. I've yet to hear, nobody, nobody's ever told me that, right? Rather, they end up thinking that what's normal for them then is normal to do later. So they also repeat some of the behaviors and the things that uh, they had seen and experienced, right? So naturally, you can see where once I found myself... Oh, no, I want to say, 
so because of all those things, I ended up uh, looking for acceptance and love in things and in people that I should have never done. The problem is, is that those things and those people loved and accepted me. It was a dysfunctional kind of love, but they were offering something that home wasn't, right? Don't hear me. My mom is the best mom you could ever have. She whoop all y'all's moms, too. <laughs> Point is, <clears throat> I'm mama's boy, and nobody ever talked bad about mama. But in terms of being, a, being a, a boy without a father, there was just a lot of brokenness there. And so I would go outside of that to try to find that love and that acceptance, and I found it more in things and lifestyles than I did in any person. And I would, I would literally compromise everything I knew to be good, everything that I knew uh, that would be uh, bad for me. I sacrificed it all because I had a new master. I was a slave to things that I would obey that I should have never been obeying, right? I had a new master who, obeyed, who I obeyed because it loved me. It would give me things that I wasn't getting where I should have been getting it. So naturally, you can see where once I found myself in a position due to consequences, I had a hard time with God's unconditional sacrifice or sacrificial life-changing love. And what I mean is, is once I found myself in a position to where God was trying to reach me and speak to me and I had an opportunity to um, hear about God's love or, uh, you know, go to church or do any of those things, uh, it was really, really hard for me because you couldn't convince me that God could love a guy like me because of the things I'd done or who I'd been or some of the things that I should have never done, right? It was hard for me. I wasn't interested in it because I couldn't understand it. And because I couldn't understand it, I wasn't willing to give it a chance. As messed up as my version of love was, I was more comfortable there than I was anywhere God may be leading me to be. And, and so like, hey, there's a reason that when you come to church, you're like, I don't know, it's just kind of weird for me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I should be singing or not singing or, you know, now they're praying. This whole praying thing's weird to me. You know, oh my gosh, that guy just raised his hand. What's he doing? Like, is he about to flop around and jump up and down? Like, I don't know what's about to go down, but the whole thing's just weird to me. Guys, I'm telling you what you are is you're in the presence of God, and the love of God through the Holy Spirit is just pressing on you, and it's making you uncomfortable, and you're uncomfortable because you don't know what God's love is. The lie I believed was that the world loved me more than God ever had or could. They were there for me when God wasn't, right? He didn't intervene when I was young. He didn't stop any of the abuse I had to endure. He didn't care about me or else I wouldn't have been dealt the hand I was given. God loves me. It's hard. And so my lifestyle, as awful as it was, did all those things, all the things that I would do and regret and wish I never done. Uh, it was the reason I would give my allegiance, my loyalty 
to those things. The truth was God needed my master to take me to a place where I'd be so desperate to know true love. So there comes a point where God's like, that's what you want, big boy, I'll give it to you. But then he'll be there when that master takes you to the lowest point you could ever go, right? See, you chose it. He didn't choose it for you. You chose that. And so he lets you, he gives you to that. He lets you be a slave to it. Because until you realize you're a slave, you ain't going to realize you want to be set free. Right? So God allows the master you choose, workaholism, um, pornography, toxic relationships. Y'all know a lot about those. No, for real, Roger, he loves me. I'll tell you right now, he just called me from his mother's basement. Oh, he just got off work? Work? My boy ain't working. <laughs> right? Y'all know about toxic relationships. But whatever enslaves you is what takes you to a place where God shows up. Right? So, um... God needs you to get to a place where you are so broken, you're willing to trade in or forfeit your perceived street creds, right? Yeah. I was talking with a friend the other day, and this is, this is what's kind of funny. Um, I realized, this is me being sarcastic, I realized I had to quit trying to be a wannabe gangster because that darn Netflix had a document documentary on the 10 top gangsters in the world and nobody, me and nobody in Owensboro was on there. <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, I'm living a lie. Yeah, nobody called me about that. Man, they didn't know Hollywood Martin is in Owensboro. They should have got with us, right? Look, streets never loved you. They used you as a pawn to play a game you can't win because the streets are undefeated. People's dying every day. Right? Hey, y'all don't believe me because you're a little younger and you think you're different than me and I'm just that old bald fat guy that's talking about something that happened back in the 70s? Look, I got friends in here right now to tell you there's a lot of guys we were running with that's dead. They're dead. Streets always win. And so people think others are crazy about the kind of love they call love. Or like, so when you look at it, you're like, why do you keep going back to this abusive husband? Husband, That don't make sense, right? That's not logical. Why would you keep going back to this, this chick that cheats on you with your friends all the time? Why would you keep doing some of these things that you're doing? That's their version of love. You don't understand it, but you don't need to understand it. Until you've lived that life, you won't understand it, right? Because God's love doesn't translate. It doesn't tran. Listen, no, honey, listen. God loves you, and he sent his son to die for you. 
Yeah, but what, what do I got to do? Like, I've done a whole lot of it. No, you don't have to do nothing. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that. It doesn't translate. Matter of fact, it's suspect. <laughs> Straight up suspect. You know what I mean? It's like, so check this out. What you're saying is, although I robbed 13 7-Elevens, ran right out of there with Fall City beer every time. Salty. Right? Lied, cheated, stolen, been to jail, in and out 20 different times. You're trying to tell me that God loves me when my own dad wouldn't love me and I didn't do any of those things. Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. Matter of fact, as big of a fraud as I was and a punk that I could be when I was younger, doing that stuff, hustling on the streets, I was, uh, that was a lot easier than it is hustling for Jesus. And, and oftentimes I'll get discouraged and frustrated and I'll be like, man, why don't these dudes believe me? And it's because they, they have a hard time. It just doesn't translate. God, it's like, you know, I don't know. Should I just give up on them? Well, no, God didn't give up on you. Hush your mouth. Keep talking. Keep telling them, right? Keep doing what you're doing. Be patient. Wait on them. And, and sometimes it does get a little discouraging. Sometimes it is difficult. But this is what I know to be true, that God is alive and he loves you. And I'm just going to keep standing up here Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, and I'm going to keep saying the same thing because it stands true and you're just going to have to keep filtering through all the lies until you, you're ready to receive the truth, right? All right, so uh, I'm well based. God's love doesn't translate. It is suspect. It's foreign language, and it's why we do the same thing that God's people did thousands of years ago. It's kind of interesting, too, because we still kind of do this. Like, we end up in a spot where, like, God has led us to, and we don't know necessarily that that's the case or that's what's happening in our lives, but uh, we want to try to fill it out. You know what I mean? I don't know. A couple friends invited me to church. All I know is at this point, it's probably a good idea to go, but I don't care what they're talking about. I really don't believe what they believe and all those things. So we try to fill it out. Like, I, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll go. And you're sitting around, you're listening, or you're checking it. You're putting fillers out. You're trying to test drive God, see if it, he, what he says is true, right? Well, that's, that's kind of what happened thousands of years ago where God had... Um, delivered the Hebrews, his people, from Egypt where they were slaves. And so I want to share this, this small story with you because it, it's, it's very applicable and it makes a lot of sense. All I can tell you is um, I want you all to see this and, and, and receive this uh, more than you can ever imagine because it's what God would have you know to be true. And as a, a pastor today, I hustle God's love every day in hopes that someone can experience or begin to understand it the way he's allowed me to. Like, man, I want y'all to, but I can't make you do it, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to show you something from the scriptures and, and we can kind of talk about that real quick. Um, it's, it's a truth that I feel like um, many of you have done or are doing right now. I know it's something that I've done before we do that, I want, I want to give, I'm going to bring you up to speed because we're kind of jumping in in the middle of the story. So God has intervened in the life of the Hebrews where they were living as slaves to Pharaoh, and he sets them on this journey based on a promise. I'm going to take you to the promised land, right? 
that he'd bring them to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. However, along the way, they encountered trying times, and they would deal, they were in the wilderness, and they would deal with not having enough food or water, and they would start grumbling and being upset, saying, hey, why don't you just let us die in Egypt as slaves, because at least we had some of the things that we needed. So, um, so they would encounter these trying times where their lifestyle would be drastically different. Um, it would be uncomfortable, unknown, uncertain, but they would continue moving forward because of the few people who trusted God's promise that what he had, what he had for them would be better than what they came from. So we're going to pick up there. We're going to jump right into the story, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that they're, they're at the edge of the promised land where God had told them that they were going and that he was going to give them, and it was going to be way better than where they'd come from in Egypt. And what they do is, or what happens is, is there, there are some spies sent out to go check out the promised land to come back and tell everybody what they saw before they were willing to move forward. Okay? So here we are, verse 25. Numbers 13, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the, all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought fruit back to prove. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They're some bad dudes, I guess, because they're, they're talking about them. The Amicalites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb... Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go, let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are able, we're well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, they're stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we've gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Now, that report doesn't sound a lot like what God had told them it was going to look like, right? Like, I'm sending you to the promised land. It's going to be the land of milk and honey. You guys are going to be fruitful. You're going to be blessed. It's going to be the greatest thing you ever experienced. They go along this long journey. They finally end up there, and they send, they send in some spies, and the spies come back and say, look, you go into that, that area, that land, you're about to get whooped. You don't want to go there. There's things bigger than you can handle there, right? And it, that's, that's what we do, right? We come to foreign land. We come to something that we're not used to or that's unnatural to us, and we want to kind of spy out all the challenges. Y'all do that. Roger, can you get me an FLS? Yeah. Well, what all they got to do there? What, do they have to go to class or do they, do they right? Hey, 
Roger, you, you, you invited me to church. I'll show up, but, like, do I got to pray or anything or do anything? You know, like, I don't want anybody to know I was really there, right? We come to unchartered territory, and we want to explore all of the conditions or circumstances because we think if we can see it for what it is, we will understand whether or not we want it all. If I could just have a survey of the land, then I'll know if I want to dwell there, right? Can you kind of run me through the process so I can better understand of what living for God looks like or this loving relationship that God is offering? Uh, you know, is it all rainbows and Tootsie Pops or, you know, will there be any challenges? I'm kind of done with challenges. I've lived all my life with challenges. And if that's the case, then I might consider it, right? And so we're moving into uncharted territory. That's this loving relationship with God. And it can cause us to fear all the things we feel or think is bigger or stronger than us and can defeat us. Yeah, I'm willing to give up a little bit of things, Roger, but I don't know about all the things. And so if God wants me to do that, I need to fill it out. I need to test it. I need to make sure that if that's the case, then I can make a decision today whether I want to go to the promised land or I want to go back to Egypt. And the bottom line is because that life change is unfamiliar doesn't mean it's unnecessary. And where we think information will help us only hurts us. See, the more information you get about what it's going to consist of to change your life and truly follow Jesus will be more reasons as to why you choose not to. Because you don't need to know everything. It's called faith, right? If you knew everything, that's, it's, there's no such thing as faith. So the more information you need before you're willing to step forward and follow Jesus will be the information that actually turns you around from following Jesus, right? I mean, if we got to the, like, just, all right, here's, you want the real truth? Yeah, you give it all up right now. Trust Jesus. What, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a bad relationship? End it today. You know what I mean? Like, if you knew everything, you wouldn't want to follow him. That's why God just gradually kind of starts showing you what you need to see as you need to see it, right? The truth is, listen, when God leads you to this point, He's challenging one thing. You're facing the promised land. Spies have been sent out so you can get the down low before you make the decision. He's challenging one thing. He's challenging your love for him over your love for yourself. Yes, the journey can be hard and scary. Yes, you're going to have to give up almost the majority of everything you've ever thought was normal. But he never promised that it wouldn't be, right? He said, don't be surprised when the world hates you. It hated me long before it did you. You know, don't be surprised when, when trials and tribulations come. Like, I was crucified. Like, what he does promise is to take you to a better place than where you came from. But we must obey. Leave behind the past and walk into the future where he restores you, he provides for you in supernatural ways. And here's the thing. You think you're checking out what's ahead? Like you think you're actually smarter than God? And, I, you know, once I understand things a little better, maybe I'll make that move. The truth is 
He's checking you out to see what you will do. So when he led them through all those things to the promised land, and he got them to the edge, and spies went out and bring back this report, he wasn't checking out what he'd already promised them. He was checking out what his own people would be willing to do. And so you're testing the waters of God's love is actually God's test on your willingness to obey. How do I know that? Because what I didn't tell you and Moses didn't tell the people is in Numbers 13, 1 and 2. That's the same passage that I read you, but the first two verses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. God sent spies so that they would come back with a report that would force his people to either obey or disobey. And it was, a, it was, it was raw. It was like, no, there's some big dudes there. There's big armies. I don't think this is a good idea. We shouldn't go. What do you mean you shouldn't go? God promised he gave it to you. All you got to do is go. It's already been defeated, right? Think about this for a second. God didn't keep secrets about the promised land. He didn't keep secrets about the, the journey into the promised land. He showed them everything by sending the spies in. God ain't trying to surprise party any of you about what you're, you're fixing to do as far as following Jesus. He's going to give you, all you got to do is read the Bible. It tells you everything that you're going to endure, that you're going to face, and that's going to that's challenge you. He sent the, God sent the spies to bring the report back to the people. All he's asking is for you to obey and be blessed. So your hesitancy or unwillingness to trust his promise is evidence you don't believe he can do what he promises to do. Obedience equals love. You're either going to obey people or God. It's one or the other. And depending on what you obey is dictating what you love. When God's love is free, right? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Heard this the other night. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Man, you know what I'm saying, Roger? If I get probation, though, I might check you out next time. Right? Delayed obedience is disobedience. God's calling you right now to follow him to give up whatever it takes, to sacrifice whatever you need to so that you can follow him because he loves you. Also, if you failed the test, you need to know that God is a God of second chances, right? You know how I know that? There's a lot of ways I know that. but Because what your thing is, yeah, you know, this is one time I tried to do that and it just didn't work out, and so I don't know that God would still love me like he did the last time. It's not true, and, and I'll tell you why. So God tells Moses, come up on the mountain. He's going to give them a word. He's going to give them the word. And, uh, and, and, and he's going to take it back down. He's going to give it to the people. Y'all know the Ten Commandments, right? God gives Moses literally the Ten Commandments. It's ten things. Don't do these things, guys. They did every one of them. Point is, he gives them to Moses. Moses takes the Ten Commandments. He comes back down, and by the time he gets to the, to the bottom of the hill, he notices that all of God's people and his own brother are worshiping a golden calf. 
Well, the first commandment is to not have any other gods before me. <laughs> they didn't get past one. So Moses gets mad and he breaks the key, throws them down. He's hollering at them. He probably said a couple cuss words, but they're not going to put that in the Bible, right? I don't know. I'm guessing. Don't know. That was dumb, Roger. <laughs> Point is, he's mad, breaks them. He goes back up and he's like, hey, check this out. And the guy's like, I know, I know. Stiff-necked people, rebellious. All they want to do is do everything but what I tell them to do, right? He gives them another set of the Ten Commandments. And they carry those Ten Commandments all the way to the Promised Land. And so when you're reading the Bible and you see that the Ten Commandments are in this box that they're carrying across, that's the second set. That's the second set which means he's a God of second chances, right? And you need to know that. And he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. And one personal relationship with him that I appreciate is Whammy G himself. He's nationally known across the United States. He, come on, I'm not going to do it. My name is Wemmy G. Like Roger, he gave me that name, it stuck. So uh, I like to pray first before I get my testimony. Uh, God, I like to thank you for uh, everything you have done in my life. Uh, I like to thank you for the glory that I mean that you be glorified in my testimony. Uh, without you, it would never uh, be able to happen. Uh, I just like to thank you for your grace and your mercy for allowing me to be here to give your wonderful story that you have done in my life and to glorify you by all means. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm not much of a public speaker. Uh, Roger told me to make it short, so usually I end up uh, going over it. But uh, I feel like my testimony, man, I have, I have uh, war stories like y'all, man, uh, been homeless, live on the streets, uh, Anything you can think of, man, I've been there, you know, just like y'all have. Uh, but that, I feel like that's what, not what this is for. I feel like this is for me to glorify what he has done in my life and uh, what he's still doing. So, I mean, uh, that's why I'm basically going to give y'all up here. Uh, uh, so, God has really done amazing things in my life. He has restored so many things that I would never thought that could be restored uh, uh, I said over, man, these last three days and thought what I was going to sit up here and say, you know, so <laughs> I didn't write it down. I'm not good at writing it. I'm not good at spelling. I mean, I'm not the sharpest or the brightest tool in the shed or where you want to put it, but uh, yeah. So, but one thing I have understand is uh, God has delivered me, has changed my heart, man, in so many ways that, uh, man, uh, when I see things, dude, I'm not as hard as I used to be. I'm not, I'm not able to look over it and, and. Like, what I mean is, like, like Roger said, man, I'm like a big baby, man, for real. Like, I was watching this show called The Chosen, which is amazing, a uh, series for, uh, about the Bible. And, uh, man, y'all should watch it for real. It's really powerful. Uh, especially going through all these sermons that Roger's doing and stuff, man, and actually seeing it has allowed me to understand the Bible in so many ways that I never understand it before. So it's kind of amazing, uh. So I was sitting there watching, man, and just certain things on there that he was doing was making me want to cry, you know what I'm saying? It was just small things. It's like, it's, it's wild. Because before, I just used to look at it and overlook it, and nothing comes to mind, you know? 
But uh, I realized since God has intervened in my life, man, he has softened my heart so much to a point where things that uh, I used to overlook, man, I don't overlook no more. It's, it's kind of heartwarming, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it really is. And, and really, he deserves it all for real, like, man, like, I used to walk by Matthew's table every day, man, out there in addiction, and they'd be like, Mr. Staples, you coming to church? And I'd be like, yeah, you know, as soon as I get ready, I'm rolling a blunt, you know. Never had mine to come, for real. Only time I came was when I get the food to take down to the wall to feed the other homeless people with me to eat, you know. Uh, but uh, they showed me so much love, man, and so much respect when I didn't even have respect for myself or love for myself at all, you know. I didn't even know who I was, but they were still more willing to reach out and love on me, you know. Uh, it wasn't even the building, man, because at the time, we didn't, they didn't even have a building. It was just the people, man, that uh, loved, loved like Jesus. Uh, they showed so much compassion, man, and uh, they just made me feel something I never felt before, even with my own family, man. It, it was just amazing. Uh, it, made, it, it, it created an environment of a place that I never wanted to leave, you know. I mean, I got so much involved and started doing so much, man, I just didn't want to leave. I just wanted to stay there. Because this is how much I loved it, man. It was just amazing. You know, uh, and of course, you know, like anybody else, you go through these trials, man, and, and they test you. And uh, it's amazing, but it's hard, man. But it's just, it's, without God, man, it wouldn't be impossible for real. Like, I mean, I've been hit so many times, man, and, and I got to pray on a daily basis. And I ain't going to lie to y'all, I'm not perfect. So I'll be honest with you, there's things that I got to confront myself, you know, behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? That I know God only knows, you know. Uh, and what came to mind, man, is this, this right here is serious. This is really serious, man, because like Roger said, that day's going to come when he's going to come back, you know. And uh, we got to take this more serious than what it is, for real. Uh, and I think I feel like a lot of us don't really understand what sin really is, you know. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean God, you just think of somebody the wrong way, dude. It's just as bad as doing it, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so easy to sin and not realize that you're doing it, you know. But, uh. One thing about learning, man, is actually doing what we're doing right here and with other believers, man, it helps us know that just because we made that sin don't mean we're condemned for life, you know what I'm saying? We can always get up and do what we should be doing and, and try to do it to our best ability. And uh, that's one thing I learned about this, man. And I'm just grateful to be able to be standing up here with y'all, man, for real. I'm in a D group nowadays. Uh, I mean... I'm understanding the Bibles in ways I never thought. You know, I'm able when somebody say something, I'm able to say, "Oh yeah, it's like that story, like Joseph. You know, he had a dream. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's just really amazing, and how much passion that it's it's creating in me, and how much that's realizing the stuff that I should be changing in my life that I'm that I'm not that I've been hiding, you know, in the darkness and stuff. Uh, it's just truly amazing for real. Uh, I'm just grateful to be here, man. I'm grateful that God has restored everything. You know, he's restored my relationship my, with my wife, my mom. Uh, he gave me things that I never thought I would have. Like, I drive around in a car, man, thinking it's till this day. Sometimes I'll get up like, man, this is amazing. Like, never thought I'd have a car. I mean, I've always been homeless out there panhandling for change. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Going like, man, how do they do it? You know? And it's just amazing that now, like, not just that I'm reborn through Christ, but I'm learning how to live life on life terms, and it's like a baby. It's like being reborn all over again, you know. Here it is. I'm learning how to pay my bills. I'm learning how to manage all these stuff and everything hitting me and not give up like I used to. So it's just 
truly amazing when you come to God. It's it's like I used to say, oh, it's easier doing this than it was doing before. Now, reality check, huh? It's harder doing this than what it was. You know, it's easy sitting out there panhandling, not worrying about nothing. You know, it's harder to give everything down and, and walk with Christ and be obedient about it and do it right, you know, and be honest about every step that you take, you know. So with that being said, uh, God bless y'all, man, and uh, y'all just keep doing this. Uh, it works if you work it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it really does, you know. Uh, I like to pray this out. In Jesus' name, I like to thank you for everything you have done in our lives. Uh, I like to thank you for bringing us here today to uh, worship you and to learn what your truth and grace is, uh, to learn more about you. I like to thank you for everything and for you to be glorified in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Mic drop. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.